Hey guys, this is Steph in Cleveland, goalkeeper with the Seattle Sounders, and this is Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 115 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Today, Bennett joins us. Bennett, hello, Bennett. Hello. Don't know why I said your name twice. Um, yes, we have a pretty good slate. We actually have a Seahawks win to talk to you about, which is always nice. Um, so we'll start. Uh, week 14 at the Houston Texans winning that game, 33 to 13. Uh, Seahawks take care of a bad team after, uh, you know, it, it's funny to look back at it because I did not, again, I did not realize that the Seahawks were in a close game with Houston heading into the fourth quarter. Um, but then being able to pull away and ultimately make this 20 point game. Uh, I would say it's a little bit, it was a little less stressful than a normal Seahawks game was um, on the offensive side of the ball. Russell looked like, looked a little better. Um, I'd say looked miles better than he had in a, a, a couple few weeks ago uh, in the games like against Washington uh, against Green Bay. Uh, Rashad Penny had the best game of his career. Uh, is that a turning point? That's, it's hard to say, obviously, but it would really be kind of funny to see him jettison his career um, <laughs> after struggling and just really pick it up in week 14 of his contract year. Uh, Tyler Lockett records his third consecutive 1,000 yard receiving season, joining Steve Largent as the only players in franchise history to do so. Uh, both players born in Tulsa, both of them sharing the same birthday, funny oh. enough. Um and then the defensive side of the ball, the first few drives, uh, see Davis Mills set the rookie uh, completion record for most completions uh, without an incompletion, uh, and then kind of settled in there. They're really able to take care of the rookie there. Uh, no turnovers, surprisingly, though. Uh, Bennett, your thoughts on the, the game as a whole, uh, what you saw offensive, defensively, uh, just w- what you saw through your eyes? I just thought it was a – I mean, it was a good getting – Getting done with business. Getting taking, taking care, care of, of business. business. There it is. It was a good I, I had the syllables there and I had the cadence down. I just could not remember the words. Um yeah, it was a good taking care of business game. You know, you, you have a team that is two and ten, and you know, the Seahawks aren't quite them. You know, our record isn't that different from them, but we're not them in terms of quality of team. So you start looking at it, it becomes pretty obvious we're going to win. And what ends up being important is that we live, is that we win in convincing fashion, which, as you mentioned, we did not really do until the fourth quarter, which was kind of funny. Um, but I think, yeah, the highlight of the game for me was watching Rashard Penny um, have the game that he had and, you know, go out there and just ha- having a career game at – I wouldn't say this is the most crucial spot that he's played. I mean, that would obviously be playoffs when he's had his playoff appearances and done well in his playoff appearances. But I would say that this has been his most, um, you know, aside from the numbers, just looking at how he played, you could tell that he was running different. You could tell he was seeing the field differently. Um, So in particular, watching him play was really fun. As a whole team, I don't know. It, it it felt very much just like a Seahawks game. It, it was very Seahawksy in the way that we just didn't do anything until the fourth quarter, and in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, a team was on the field. Um, not to discount Russell's throws to Lockett in the early game and right before halftime, but other than that, there were a bunch of times where the offense would stall out. Um, 
a couple of frustrating times as well where we would be in the red zone and we'd kick a field goal instead. And Jason Myers has not really been Jason Myers this year. And I'd, I'd love to see us go for fourth and sixes, you know, when we're 20 yards out, because why not? Especially when you're playing against the Rams, uh, not the Rams, the uh, Texans. I got Rams on the mind. Um, it's it's confusing to me that, but overall, I'd say I think we did what we had to, and I think we did it in convincing fashion. I think we did it in entertaining fashion. So I think we're we're going back to playing football the way we ought to be playing football. I think, if anything, this should be good practice. And I sorry Texans fans, but that's what this game was for the Seahawks. Quite honestly, um, this should be good practice to ramp up against a team like LA next week. It's very interesting to look at, you know, the the last few opponents that we've got here. I mean, you look at uh, LA next week, a lot of talent just beat the Cardinals earlier today. Um, You look at the bears and the lions, two teams, the bears put up a semi-decent fight against green Bay. Uh, The lions are the worst team in the league. And then you've got the Cardinals to wrap up the season. Uh, who, you know, the Cardinals very well could just be resting everybody. Um, it is, it's, it's not a very good bookend, bookends to have those teams play, uh, to play, right? Um, but to get back to this game, I mean, yeah, you, you talked about it. Stalling out against this defense isn't exactly a good thing. Um, and, and not to entirely discredit Rashad, uh, but how much of his big day, you know, at least maybe numbers-wise, was playing against a pretty abysmal uh, run defense like Houston. Um, but overall, you know, to your point, like you were saying, it, he looked like a different back uh, on Sunday. He looked like a different back, and that's important. Um, just obviously staying healthy is a big thing, but, you know, this is such a prime opportunity for him to really take care uh, of business. But, uh, I forgot what the hell you said. Um <laughs> Uh, take care of business and really fill the shoes that Chris Carson's left empty. Um, because I mean, really, if, if we're being totally honest and we're looking at next season, right. Is there anybody that's a, like a, a, a surefire lock for the running back position? I don't, I don't, we don't think so. I think that the uh, all bets are off when it comes to security, job security in the running back room next year. Right. Cause Alex Collins, how long do you want to keep him on contract? He's not getting younger. Rashad Penny for the most part in his, tenure with Seattle has not been healthy, right? Uh, Chris Carson, same thing. Uh, he's played more than Penny, but still can't finish out a season. The most he had, I think, was uh, 15 games he played in 2019. Um, and then uh, Travis Homer, and I don't think you've got starter quality there. DJ Dallas really hasn't gotten that much of a shine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, do you think anybody has any real, like, s- secure – uh, spot in the running back room next year? Um, to me, the, the next four games are going to be basically the audition for Rashad Penny to come back next year. I think if he has a fantastic and stellar next four games, then yeah, I think there's a good chance we see him back. Uh, but if he does not, then there's no shot. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that he, he, if anyone has the best shot to be on the team next year, um, 
but it's a it's still a pretty big if that that's part of the issue and i i'd stop short of saying that you know nfl running backs are easy to come by i heard somebody say that today and i did not agree with them uh because if they were really easy to come by we'd have a quality starter by now but i will say that you know the market changes from year to year this year had a stacked year and we ended up with chris carson again um so it really depends what the seahawks are willing to do in the offseason i don't think it has as much to do with our guys i think it has more to do with what we want to do in the offseason do i think it'd be smart to probably take uh somebody off the free agency yes um or maybe even a trade does it also make a little bit of sense to see if penny can play these next four games uh in a convincing fashion and also see if he's what this team needs also i think yes so it just depends which direction they want to go i could see them going either way i'm betting that they'll more so want to see what penny does um but i to me it's either way yeah certainly it would be easy to just go with the in-house bet right mm-hmm. um and i don't think rashad would command much uh, power in free agency this offseason anyway so yeah i mean sure i i, I Unless something happens, I would assume you give him the reins for these final four games with the running back one spot. Um, and hey, if he performs, give him a one year deal. I don't see why not. You know, if he performs, that is though. So um, that'll be something to look at. But obviously, right now we have other things to worry about. Um, just finishing out the season. So uh, going into stat leaders, of course, Russell Wilson in his normal spot, uh, completing 17 of 28 attempts for 260 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, rushing wise, again, Rashad Penny, 16 carries, 137 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, through the air, Tyler Lockett led with five receptions for 142 yards and one touchdown. Tackles the future Hall of Famer, Bobby Wagner, had 15 total tackles for six uh, six solo and one tackle for loss. And as I mentioned, the defense did not force a turnover uh, against the rookie quarterback, Davis Mills. Uh, offensive and defensive MVPs. Um, I mean, there's two guys you could really go with. I went with Tyler Lockett. Uh, Tyler's been a guy who's really, uh, obviously, he's not a very big guy, not a very tall guy, uh, but he's productive. He's productive, and I'm sure he's taking advantage of defenses giving DK Metcalf extra looks um, and had some really solid games this year. Not every game he comes out and puts out like 150 yards receiving, right? Uh, but he has a pretty solid games this year. So, uh, Bennett, uh, do you agree? Do you go with somebody else? What, do you, what are your thoughts on uh, – offensive mvp here um i I, to me i gotta give it to um to me i gotta give it to uh rashad penny he just i mean more so because he's had such a long career or a long and tumultuous career with um seattle and seeing how that has affected his game and how, or not how that has affected his game, but how that arc has kind of completed itself and hopefully righted itself in yesterday's match, or I guess two days ago's match when this is released. That to me is really inspiring for that, for our, you know, former first round pick. Um, I would see how Tyler was another convincing argument, but just, I think Penny put up some pretty monster numbers. This is, I think the best running performance by a Seahawk since oof, Thomas Rawls, which is yep. um, 
<laughs> which is something. Yeah. So. And to go back to the running backs thing about how starter quality running backs are so easy to find, obviously, which is ridiculous. Um, we were so spoiled having Marshawn Lynch for as long as we did. No, oh, yeah. now it's been God. Uh, Thomas Rawls. Uh, shoot. Who else have we had? I mean, we just go down the list in recent years. Thomas Rawls, uh, Rashad Penny, Adrian Peterson now, Alex Collins, Travis Homer, uh, CJ Procise. You know, it's insane to think about just the revolving door of guys, guys not being able to stay healthy, um, guys obviously not being able to oh. keep up that level of work. Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy, yeah. I mean, just, yeah, so – I think about that. Eddie Lacy was once a starter for this this team, and not not like prime Packers Eddie Lacy. No, no, no. We're um, talking. We're talking Eddie Lacy. <laughs> God, who else? Fred Jackson, C.J. Spiller. God, yeah. Oh God, Fred Jackson, C.J. Spiller. Fred Fred played his role of some occasional catch. Fred Jackson was catcher. Actually, he was pretty decent for the Seahawks, if I remember correctly. He filled his role, you know, so he did what he needed to do. Um, Defense, uh, I gave it to Robert. Robert, I mean, sometimes it looks like he's the only guy who's doing anything on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, I just, Bobby, it's insane to think about, uh, what, year 10 now? Um, And still doing what he does. And uh, I could be wrong, but I believe – He's he's at least top two uh, in the league in tackles. Um, yeah. it's just insane to to see that that production uh, still at that level. It's insane to me. Um, I, I am assuming you don't disagree with that. Um, actually, I think I want to give mine to Al Woods. He was just he had a good game. He had a good he, game had a completely one of the more disruptive games I've seen oh uh, wow for a while he he just kind of had a bunch of QB hits uh, I think was had a sack got it taken away from him had another sack no wait that was Taylor uh but Al Woods was just contributed like crazy he had such a good game um was so disruptive I think his pressure is what led to that LJ Collier SWAT um just overall you can't can't deny that that guy has started to turn out for us and it's pretty exciting to watch him flourish more and more throughout each year and i think we almost let him walk which uh is interesting because i'd love to see you know in terms of contract how he ends up fitting into the mix here Um, yeah al's a an older guy you know, he, surely, um, but I think he's um pretty sneaky. What is he, 35, 34? I mean, he's a sneaky. It's a, it's a guy that, you know, I, I don't think we gave him that much. Oh, he's 34. I don't think we gave him that much. Um, and he, yeah. I mean, he's he's one of those guys who just hasn't ever really found his groove in the NFL for a while. Uh, he, he was kind of a journeyman before he ended up here. Um, but now that he's here, I know, you know, he's started to like kind of come into his own. I think he was on our team, what, in like 2019 back then? Yes. Did a little bit of us 
but I think he got hit for for steroids. Uh, yep, PED suspension for games. Correctly, um, but now that he's back. He's had a pretty decent impact on our defense, and that's kind of exciting. Oh yeah, he had a he had a stint. Oh, it's funny. There's actually a Seahawk in 2011. What? So, <laughs> that's so he played with the Saints in 2010, Steelers in 2010, Bucks in 2010, Seahawks in 2011, Steelers for 2011 through 2013, Titans through 14 through 16. Colts 17 through 18, Seahawks 19, Jaguars 20, and then us uh, this year. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not kidding. A uh, guy bounced around the league, um, six and a half stat, six and a half sacks. Um, really just, yeah, guy that signed for Jacksonville last year, opted out. Oh, he opted out of the season last year due to uh, the pandemic. Um, cool. Yeah, headed a, a four-game suspension, 19. He's, he had a he had a good game. It kind of been a sneaky contributor. Um, you know, once Jerron Reed was none that he wasn't coming back, uh, it's kind of like okay, there's Al. It's funny. Uh, Jerron is a uh, how do I put this? He's not a he's kind of a bitter guy. Um, he will read the mentions oh, uh, of him Mr. on Twitter. Looks up his name on Twitter. Yeah, Oof. and somebody tweeted. Uh, basically tweeted hey the Seahawks got Al Woods and didn't keep Jerron I think we dodged a bullet and he liked it kind of like oh boy John he got nothing better to do um but you know so yeah Al Woods is not a bad pick there that is a I could go with that um but yes to to check back on that checking in stat leaders at this current point in time Bobby leads the league and tackles with 152 10 more than the number two slot uh, guess who's at number three? It's uh, Jordan Brooks. Oh, no so, kidding. Kind of sneaky there. Um, yeah, and then tackles this year, it's either, I think, except for one week, it's always been Jordan or Bobby. I think one week it was Jamal, funny enough. Um, but, yeah, kind of interesting to see the production of those guys. Obviously, it would be nice. I was thinking about this on Sunday. It would be nice to have uh kj right there instead of benson mayoa in that other linebacker spot but man you know we are uh not the guys in the uh front office so we have we have no power here um at least in that regard um injury related news prior to game time on friday uh the falling players were deemed out running back adrian peterson was out with a lower back injury right tackle brendan shell was out with a shoulder injury Running back Travis Homer, who had his big week last week, was out with calf and hamstring injuries. Uh, offensive guard slash center Kyle Fuller was out with a calf injury. And straight uh, safety Jamal Adams was placed on injured reserve. Uh, Adams on December 8th, uh, his injury of the shoulder was a torn labrum with additional damage. Uh, he underwent season-ending surgery. Um, and as a resulting move, cornerback Gavin Heslop was elevated from the practice squad. Uh, game day inactive, huh? I said, eesh. yeah, we'll get to that in a sec. Yeah. Um, game day inactives, quarterback Jacob Eason, running back Travis Homer, offensive guard slash center Kyle Fuller, right tackle Brandon Shell, cornerback Nigel Warrior, and defensive tackle Robert and Kim Dietschy. Uh, Post game, <sighs> Gavin Heslop suffered a leg injury. He had to stay overnight at a Houston hospital, and it was announced uh, earlier today um, that Heslop broke both his tibia and his fibula. Oh, man, I did not know it was a double break. Ouch. And had successful surgery in Houston, but obviously still not 
fun at all. Um, so his season quite obviously is done. Um, tough break. I mean, you know, undrafted guy from undrafted free agent last year uh, gets, you know, gets elevated, gets a roster spot this week. And then in his first few snaps, something else snapped. That's terrible. Um, so tough break there. Oh God, I got to stop. Uh, that wasn't intentional either. Wow, a double pun, double accidental pun. Um, and then defensive tackle Brian Monet exited the game with a knee injury. It was identified as a knee sprain. Uh, the severity of that's being determined. And then DJ Reed kind of came out of that game banged up. But Peter Carroll said that he's fine and should play against the Rams. I hope that's true because Pete sometimes says things and then they're not exactly entirely true. And it's like, oh, okay. Um. And team-related – well, here, let's stop on this first. Just just quickly, um, I, I'm sure you've seen it, the general social backlash to Jamal's injury, um, calling it a buzz, biggest tr- trade failure in Seahawks history. Um, I mean, my, the way I look at it is it's really hard to equate the value of two first-rounders, let alone one first-rounder, and put it into a, a player. Is Jamal ever going to essentially be worth those picks? I don't know if you can quantify that, right? You mean, um, yeah, you huh? Yeah, I said you really can't. Yeah, it's, you know, um, Seattle been good at drafting. Not necessarily. The past few drafts haven't been horrible. Um, but, you know, I, I, he, Jamal was not a guy that you looked at, you know, like we need him for these two years, right? These like 2020 and 2021, he was not brought in as a quick fix. I don't think he's a, a guy that, you know, he's not old. He's not like 30. He's like 24, 25. Hold on. Um, 26, whatever he's, you know, he's a 26 year old safety. Who's you know, relatively a Swiss army knife. Um, and I think the calling it one of the worst trades of the decade is a, I don't know. I feel like it's being a little dramatic, a little over dramatic um, a theater major, but it seems like there's a lot of people that no matter what he did this year, he was like demonized and it's just bizarre to me. It's like, you know, if you're supporting this team, you support everybody, even though I have had my gripes with Rashad Penny. Hey, he had a great game. Yeah. Good. Keep doing it, you know. It should be more of a hey, you made a mistake, just do better next time. And it's not like Jamal has been playing like poop this year, you know. I mean, I think people try to look at last year's sack numbers and they want that to happen this year. There's this thing in sports called adjusting. Teams see that, they see he's gonna be sent off the edge, and they change. You know, there are some players who still thrive despite uh adjustments i mean some guy uh, some guy named steph curry comes to mind um you know but you'll see a lot of guys will have like their first year or so will be really great and then they'll fall off a cliff the next year because teams adjust adjustments are things that are made in sports so i don't know that's my thoughts on that the whole jamal thing but i mean do you have any quick thoughts on just the way that that's played out and the just the kind of the the reaction to that injury um it's overdramatic to say it's one of the worst trades, I think. Um, you traded for a safety who almost, who did, I think. I mean, 
Did he end up leading the league in sacks? I don't think he did, but he got pretty he close. He broke the sack record for like a def- for a defensive back last year. I think he was top ten. Yeah, 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 yeah. And top ten in sacks as a safety is pretty wild. Um, do I love the trade? It's no, I never did. It, I love the player. I mean, he's one of my favorite players on the team, and I hope we figure out a way to keep him. I doubt we will, but I hope we do. Um. But I <laughs> to call it one of the worst trades is just so ridiculous. It's so reactionary. And I think people really don't like Jamal because he has this swagger to him. You know what I mean? Like he, he has I, – I don't know how else to put it. He has swagger to him. He, he enjoys what he does, and he knows he's good at it. Boisterous. He's boisterous. He loves what he does. He knows that he's the best in the league at what he does because what he does is really unique. You know, you, you can't deny that. He is one of the more unique players in the. Oh uh, yeah, NFL. I mean, people try to equate simple, like simple stats to guys, <laughs> like you know, in the in the NBA, if you score the most, you're automatically the best player, and that's not always true. You that's know? not always true at all. I mean, people just try to, I don't know. It, there's just more than just the basic paper stuff. You know, equating value is such a different thing than just looking at a guy that dropped thirty one night and saying, "Hey, that's really good." He's the best. It's like, no, it's not always true. Um, um, so, yeah, but, you know. You can say all you want about him, but he's still one of the better players on the team. Um, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, draft picks are ethereal. They could end up meaning nothing anyways. Uh, It'll be funny we- to see what New York does with them because they haven't exactly had the best draft luck either. Um yeah, I mean, obviously it's not going to go for, I don't know. That to me is just ridiculous, but anyways. Yeah. That reaction. I mean, come on. It's, it's the same guys that were probably like, Oh, Russell's too short when we first had him. And then now it's like, Oh, Russell's Jesus. Well, yep. You know, let it play out, dude. Um, Again, we could like two years from now, we could look back at Penning and say, Hey, remember when he just couldn't stay healthy? Now, we, you know, so again, now he's yeah. the next Derrick Henry. <sighs> Oh, that'd be great. Um, Team-related notes on December 7th, the team signed defensive tackle Niall Scott to the practice squad following a workout, and wide receiver Tyler Lockett was the Seahawks nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Uh, Last year, Russell Wilson winning that award uh, for the league uh, as a whole. Sorry. Uh, December 8th, a report came out about Russell Wilson strongly considering waiving his no-trade clause for the New York Giants, New Orleans Saints, or Denver Broncos. Uh, this horseshit report came <laughs> from Jordan Schultz, the oh, son of Howard Schultz. You know who Howard Schultz has been in? Uh, of course I do. Yeah. So I don't believe anything from the Schultz family personally. Uh, they can eat a bunch of shit. Um, pardon my language, but it's just absolutely, it's just more bad journalism. And it's really funny to me because as uh, somebody who's met some of these Seahawks beat reporters in uh, Greg Bell and Michael Dugershon, they absolutely hate dealing with this BS trade rumor. I, yeah. you, uh, even I think both of them even said it all oh, this. They, they didn't say the word, but this bullshit's back. Uh, you know, uh, December 9th, Wilson denied rumors linking him to these teams stating, I didn't say that said he plans to fulfill his contract that ends in 2023 and wants to play for Seattle for air quotes, 
20 years saying, I love this place and I love this space. And then he's focusing on the now and not the future. So him, and if you know anything about Seahawks Twitter, uh, Jake Heaps is tied with Russell Wilson. I believe he's his quarterback coach. Even Heaps shot this down and basically said, this is horse dung. So, you know, I get it in this business, in this industry. Uh, a lot of the times you have to go off of loose ends, what ifs, rumors. I don't do that here. Okay. Not about this quarterback. If Russell himself and his team have denied this, I'm yeah. going to go with that. Right. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, really, do we, I, I get it. Even looking at the, the, the line this year, has it been great? No, no. Trust me. We know about the offensive line play here in Seattle. We understand that. We know that um, we, we have plenty of criticism for this organization as a whole, for how they've handled playing with this quarterback, building around this quarterback. But hey, Russell's kind of the guy that sticks to his word. Um, and I don't know, we've kind of been through it this season where I would understand if he doesn't want to stay. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's saying he's going to stay. Okay. That's all I have to go off of. And that's what we're going to go with. I'm not here to listen to some guy whose dad ripped away my basketball team, my men's basketball. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to feed into it. We had to deal. That was like all we had for Seahawks news over the off season. Isn't it? It was just like every yeah, other week. It's was... like, Oh, <laughs> Russell Wilson and Sierra looking at this house in New York. Mm. It's like each okay. time it was met with the same heavy sigh. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think we did. That, so. I, I, and like, I get it. This off season was rough for the Seahawks in particular. We came close to probably losing our quarterback. I, I would imagine. I think it was closer than we think. Um, maybe. I'll, I'll I'll throw that out there. But obviously, obviously, at this point, the rehashing the same rumor over and over and again, pulling these teams kind of out of your ass because I mean, Russell Denver. Even, like what? Because Russell, what, mentioned it once f- fucking four years ago as a speculative, like, funny idea? And well, that's teams... the thing. Like, that's the thing. Of course he's entertained it. Of course he's thought about it. Because it's, it's a fun thought experiment for him. And the reason it's a fun thought experiment is because for him, it's so mind-boggling to be anywhere else but Seattle mm-hmm. that he can't even quantify that. I, I I find it hard to believe he'll end his career anywhere but here, um, especially after this last offseason. The the fact that he was able to work things out with the organization, not just with Pete, because whatever is going on there is going on there. But the fact that he was able to work things out with the organization and stay happy, stay here, to me was the final thing I needed to prove that Russell Wilson's going to be a career Seahawk. At least he's going to spend his glory days here. Um, now, how long is that? That's another That's another episode. Uh, but I think that that's where we're at. And to just keep spreading these bullshit, nothing rumors is, we know why you're doing it. You're doing it for clicks. Congrats, you got your clicks. Um, you also have Jake Heaps knocking at your door to tell you it's bullshit. So yeah, and he's he's kind of like a mouthpiece in a way for Russell anyway. So if he's doing that, I I yeah, I have I have my that's who I believe in. That's that's the source that I'll take. Um and it's funny, I, uh, one of the handful of reasons that I wanted to start the show was the lack of coverage around Russell Wilson in 2019 when he started off really hot, right? And was having a good season. 
I was like, hey, this guy's not getting any coverage. Uh, it's horseshit that the national media is not paying attention to him. Let's let's do something about that. And I think uh, the very first episode of the show, half of it's like bashing on that. <laughs> the other is going over that 49ers win uh, when Myers hit the game winner. Um, so, yeah, that's funny how that is. Um, sorry, damn dust. Um, <laughs> speaking of drama in league news, uh, Urban Meyer drama continues. Question oh. about Meyer's future have reemerged amid multiple run-ins with both players and other coaches. Uh, there was a report that Marvin Jones walked out of the team facility and had to be coaxed back in by other coaches following an incident. Uh, Meyer threw other coaches under the bus uh, and that uh, for things like running back rotation. Um, and then after the team's fifth straight loss this Sunday, uh, Meyer complained about whoever leaked info in recent report about internal issues. Oh my God. So, to me, that is so funny. It's just so weird. Like I don't, I didn't follow his career at Ohio state, but it just seems like he's run, He's having a really, really bad time running this organization. And he's basically acting like a child about it. He's like, ah, I don't I have no accountability. Uh, it's just so funny to me. It's like, oh, this is, you're watching the circus. Like if you think our stuff was bad, seriously, we oh, could be Jacksonville. We could, it would be terrible, but you know, um, on, on, on the sadder side of things, uh, on Thursday, it was announced that Demarius Thomas passed away. The former Broncos, Texans, Patriots, and Jets receiver uh, passed away Thursday at the age of 33. Um, he was found dead at his home. Uh, cause of death unknown. It's one of these kind of things. I don't really care how he died. Um, if you know anything about Thomas, he had a really hard uh, path to the NFL and just had an incredible story um, of resiliency and how he got there. Uh, and everything that I've read about him from teammates and fans um, has all just been positive stuff. All been just seemed like an out, a great outstanding guy, a great teammate, great person. Uh, there was a story from one of the Broncos players. Um, I believe it was, uh, it was a lock leader um, about how Demarius, you know, the whole way back from the Super Bowl, he was hanging out with this guy's kid and talking to him and, uh, I have no doubt that that child will more than likely remember 88. Uh, just tough, you know, uh, it's two guys who knew somebody um, from school who passed way too early. It, it's uh, it's terrible. Um, and, you know, just kind of always reminds you, hey, life is short, whether it's uh, your life or the people around you. Um and I know that we are a sports show here, um, but sometimes things like sports are just a fickle thing. Uh, it's very important to, like when you go to a game, right? Don't act like a jackass. You know, you're there to enjoy yourself. People, sports are such a beautiful thing because they bring so many different backgrounds and people together. Um, it's part of the reason I love it. You look at all the places that we've got around here. Bennett, tell me, how many different events outside of like concerts and such bring say, you know, 20,000, 60,000 people together, you know, for a three hour period of time. How many, how many times does that happen? It's not often though. No, you know, and I, I always bash on it. It's funny. There was a, I, I've talked to a, you about it. There's a uh, former 
city council member here, Nick Licata, who he, he said that sports have zero to little cultural value, if anything. Uh, it's always so funny to me because, you know, the uh, the locker rooms I've been in, the teams I've been a part of, and I'm not saying I've been in, you know, college level. I haven't. Um, just the ones that I've been a part of, though. So many different people from all over. Even at O'Day was such a great place uh, for that, right? Because we had guys from all over. Um, you know, you learn about these people. You you just get a better look at the world. And I know that happens in these NFL locker rooms, NHL, MLB, NBA, WNBA, NWSL, all different walks of life. And that's why I feel like it's so important these sports to get involved because you you get a different uh, side of things. You learn about yourself. You learn about others. Uh, so long story short, life's short. Um, and uh, appreciate who you got around you. Um, and keep your thoughts with the Thomas family. Um, and just, you know, remember this stuff's short. Try not to get really pissed off at things that really don't have that much uh, effect on you or your well-being in the grand scheme of things. Um, the NFL COVID outbreak hit a new high, uh, 36 players and one staff member across the league tested positive on Monday, the most ever in a single day since the pandemic began. Um, same thing is kind of happening around the NHL. We'll get to that later, uh, as it impacted some of the Kraken players. Um, but again, if somehow you're not vaccinated, please go do so. And if you have the opportunity, go get your booster shot. I still have to do that. Shit. Um, and then Super Bowl uh, LVIII will be in Las Vegas. The Super Bowl in 2024 will take place at Allegiant Stadium, home of the Raiders, uh, after reports came out that New Orleans could no longer host that Super Bowl, which is kind of interesting. Um, the Seahawks record now sits at five and eight. Hey, we're getting closer to not <laughs> well, getting closer to 500. Still sitting at fourth in the NFC West, though, as the Niners did win their game. But funny enough, we are one game out of the seventh seed, which is so godly, ungodly, bizarre. Um, looking ahead, the trek to a winning record and potentially a playoff spot continues in week 15, December 19th at the Los Angeles Rams in SoFi Stadium with a 1.25 p.m. Pacific time kickoff on Fox. Um, no Mariners news because... Well, there's an MLB lockout. Um, Yeah, my goodness. Terrible. Uh, This is your time to go check out Homs Seattle. Homs has your back in the loving Big Brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. Homs just dropped their winter collection for 2021. So go and check that out. It's a nice, cool baby blue. uh, Just like those Mariners uniforms that hopefully we'll see for spring training if there's no more lockout. Um. No Seattle Sounders news as well. Uh, just the only thing we've got is league notes. New York City FC wins the MLS Cup in penalty kicks over Portland in Portland. Uh, it is the first title for New York in team history, um, as well as the fact that two Timbers fans were arrested and banned from Providence Park for hitting New York City FC's Jesus Medina in the head with a beer can. Oh, my goodness. Very not cash money of them. Hopefully it was empty. No. Oof. It was not. Ouch. Um, moving over to our Seattle storm news here, the WNBA and storm schedule were announced. We're just going to go down the list here. 
uh, and then hit key dates. Uh, May 6th, the team will open up the season at home at Climate Pledge Arena versus the Minnesota Lynx at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Then going on the road for two away games, May 8th at the Las Vegas Aces and May 11th at the Phoenix Mercury. Then coming home on May 14th to play the Mercury at a 12 p.m. Pacific time tip-off. May 18th versus the reigning defending champion Chicago Sky at 7 p.m. May 20th versus the Los Angeles Sparks at 7 p.m. May 27th versus the Liberty of New York at 7 p.m. May 29th versus the Liberty at 3 p.m. July, July, whoa. June 3rd versus the Dallas Wings at 7. June 5th versus the Connecticut Sun at 3. June 7th versus the Atlanta Dream at 7. Uh, then go on a five-game road trip, uh, starting off with two games at Dallas, uh, 10th and the 12th of June. June 14th at the Minnesota Lynx, June 17th at the Connecticut Sun, and then June 19th at the New York Liberty. Coming home for a four-game stretch against the Mystics of Washington on June 23rd, uh, June 25th versus the Los Angeles Sparks at 6 p.m., uh, June 29th versus the Las Vegas Aces at 7 p.m., July 1st versus the Indiana Fever at 7 p.m., going on a three-game stretch now on the road against the Atlanta Dream on July 3rd, July 5th at the Indiana Fever, July 7th at the Los Angeles Sparks, July 12th versus the Dallas Wings at 12 p.m. back at home, July 17th versus the Fever at home at 3 p.m. Two-game road stretch July 20th at Chicago Sky, July 22nd at the Phoenix Mercury, uh, July 24th versus the Atlanta Dream at 3 p.m., July 28th at the Connecticut Sun, July 30th at the Washington Mystics and July 31st at the Washington Mystics. So kind of a double header there, which is odd. It's the only double header on the schedule. Uh, August 3rd versus the Minnesota Lynx at home, 7 p.m. Pacific time. The last game at home is August 7th versus Las Vegas Aces at 12 p.m. And then to finish out the season, uh, the Storm have a three-game road trip, uh, August 9th at the Chicago Sky, August 12th at the Minnesota Lynx, and August 14th at the Las Vegas Aces. And unless the Storm dominate, more than likely those last three games are going to be huge uh, for playoff implications as you play Chicago, who won the title last year, still have Candace Parker. Uh, Minnesota, who's really coming along and uh, really pushed the Storm throughout the season. And then Las Vegas, who has talent up and down the board, starting with former MVP Asia Wilson, uh, former Husky Kelsey Plum, uh, Rashonda Gray, there's talent all up and down Vegas. So ugh, it's a talented league, um, but it's nice to have him back in Seattle. Ain't it, Bennett? Um, oh, yeah. God, going up to freaking Everett. Um, probably going to go to more than one game this year, I'd imagine. Yeah, hoping to uh, get pressed for that. That would be very nice. Um, but, okay, the key dates to note for the WNBA schedule Uh, December 19th is the draft lottery. April 11th is the actual draft. April 17th is training camp. April 22nd, preseason starts. May 6th, the regular season starts. Uh, July 8th through 10th is All-Star Weekend. August 14th, the regular season ends. August 17th, playoffs begin. And then the last possible finals game is September 21st. Um, Oh, yes. And other league notes. The Minnesota Lynx head coach and general manager Cheryl Reeve will reportedly be the next USA basketball coach, replacing Don Staley, current University of South Carolina coach. Um, 
so overall uh, for the storm, good to get some news for the storm actually. But the only thing that I want to speculate about <laughs> is that when the storm uh, posted about their schedule, who was the player that was front and center in the photo, but Sue bird. Now, is this any indication that she'll be back next year? I have to feel like it is. Um, yeah, she hasn't made an official announcement, right? But why else would you have her front and center on the schedule? Announcement? Yeah, I was about to say, you can't necessarily do that unless you think she'll be back as an organization, right? Yeah, so um, that as well as um, at the Kraken home opener against the Canucks, uh, Storm, uh, Storm, Sue Bird was in the building and she was asked about playing in this building, what she thought about it. She said, yeah, I might have to come back and, you know, test it out. So uh, you have to think she's leaning towards it, right? So, you know, uh, that is it. We wait for the draft lottery. I mean, it's not like the Storm are getting a high draft pick because uh, I made the playoffs. Um, yeah. But looking ahead, got that and free agency still coming up here. This is your time to check out Maestro Athletics. Uh, Maestro just dropped um, the new Rep the City hoodie. It's got the word Seattle across the chest in both blue and Heather Gray navy blue that is um and it's using all the different uh letters uh from the different teams i i like that kind of stuff because it kind of encapsulate encapsulates what we do here that looks uh, like our logo too yeah so go and uh go check that out that is m-a-e-s-t-r-o-a-t-h-l-e-t-i-c-s maestro athletics uh, as we move into our crack in here uh, December 9th versus the Winnipeg Jets at home, losing that game 0-3. Just poop. Just poop. Play the game, nobody. Uh, um, and then December 11th versus the Columbus Blue Jackets in a rematch of the game earlier. That game went to overtime, losing that game 5-4 to four in overtime. Play the game, Brandon Tanev with one assist, one point, a two plus minus, one shot on goal, and one hit. Um, so what I saw from those two games... Uh, and even the game against Pittsburgh, losing that game six to one, Seattle has gotten back to playing the um, playing like they did earlier in the year, where the defensemen are turning over the puck and making bad passes and not communicating and blocking your own goaltender. All stuff that's just mental lapses that can't happen. Um, I mean, what's the most important thing that? Uh, the, what's kind of the most important thing in football, Bennett, is holding onto the ball, right? Yeah, possession. Yeah, so how successful do you think you're going to be if you can't really take care of the puck? <laughs> not not very successful. That's, that's the point here. Yeah. Seattle turns over the puck way too often in their own zone and behind their own goal, which you can't do. Um, yeah. That, and then struggling against the power play. The, the biggest takeaway from this past week, though, and I guess the most positive one, was that you were down going into the third period. You were down four to one against Columbus and you scored three goals to send us into overtime. Good, right? Stayed in the game, stayed resilient, didn't just lay down on your ass like in the Pittsburgh game. We lost six to one. Um, but the caveat to that also is giving up the goal in the 50, 55 seconds into overtime to lose that game. Um, that goal was scored by Jake Bean, who was wide open in the face-off circle. And Marcus Johansson was blocking Philip Grubauer. He was screening his own goalie, which doesn't help because if your goalie can't see the puck, it's going to be a little bit hard to make the save. 
Um, so it's just it's just the same stupid stuff that the team was doing early in the year. Um, it needs to be fixed. So I, I'm not entirely concerned. Again, this is the franchise's first season. We go back to when the Seahawks started. It took seven years to make mm-hmm. the playoffs. Obviously, that's probably not going to be the same because it's a lot. Excuse me, it's a lot easier to make the playoffs in hockey. Um, but you know, there there are going to be growing pains, folks. We you know we're not there yet. We're not you know a team that we're not a team like Pittsburgh that is year in and year in. They're expected to be a good, tough veteran presence. Not that point yet. Um. Heading into injury news, December 11th, uh, several players and a member of the coaching staff entered COVID protocol uh, for Yanni Gord, uh, Ford Riley Sheehan, assistant coach Jay Leach all entered COVID protocol. In response to those moves, Ford Alexander True was recalled from Charlotte. Uh, True is the first Seattle Thunderbird to make his appearance for the Kraken. Um, Legacy, let's go and play yeah so that's that's really cool that that got to happen i know there i've seen a few true jerseys out there at the games uh and then also on december 11th goalie chris drieger was activated from ir and goalie joey decord was reassigned to charlotte uh going back down there joey um league news canucks hired a temporary general manager hall of famer jim rutherford was hired as the vancouver president of hockey operations as well as temporary general manager uh, and NHL 22 will include women's teams. The game will feature women's international teams for the first time ever. Woo. Uh, looking at the record, the Kraken sit at nine wins, 15 losses, and three overtime losses, equaling 21 points. If you don't understand how that works, the Kraken get two wins per two points per win. So nine times two is 18. Then those three overtime losses, you get one point for overtime loss. So that is how we get 21. The division standing, Seattle is back down to eighth in the Pacific Division, sadly. Uh, looking ahead, they have their first road trip to California ever. Uh, December 14th at the San Jose Sharks at 7.30 p.m. And then December 15th at the Anaheim Ducks at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Coming back on December 18th to play the Edmonton Oilers, who the Kraken beat the last time they faced off uh, at 7 p.m. Pacific time uh, for a puck drop. And then December 19th versus the Toronto Maple Leafs and Austin, Austin Matthews. Uh, at 6 p.m. Pacific time. I am worried about that game. Uh, Toronto's pretty good, and Austin Matthews is also pretty good. But uh, so are Edmonton and Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. So I don't know. We'll see. Sure, I'll stick around. Um, so looking at our rain here, oh, well, rain, uh, we've got our protection rosters. Uh, the teams must protect nine players on the roster, but we will get to the offseason moves first. Uh, so seven players from the roster last year will not be joining the rain in 2022, at least in this current point in time. Uh, the team waived midfielder Shirley Cruz and Rosie White. Both will look to get more playing time elsewhere. Uh, it, midfield is a, a tough position for the rain. There's so much talent there. It's kind of a log jam. Um, defender Steph Cox announced her retirement. It is her second retirement from professional soccer. Uh, more than likely will be her last as she looks to spend more time with her family. Uh, contract offers extended for the 2022 season includes the four following players, defender Lauren Barnes, forward Ziara King, goalkeeper Ella Diederich, and midfielder Jess Fishlock. Uh, three players had their options ex- exercised for 2022, defender Madison Hammond, midfielder Nikki Stanton, a North Bend native who just was traded for last week. 
uh, goalkeeper Cosette Morche, who her option was extended earlier this year, uh, but she will be on loan in Sweden through June 2022. Uh, the team declined the option of Ford Miranda Nild, who is also on loan in Sweden. Uh, and then the three players that Olympic Leonas, the uh, effective parent uh, team of the reign, uh, that's why there's the OL is Olympic Leonas. Uh, the three lone players from that team uh, returned to Spain. Uh, Eugenie Le Samer, Jennifer Marazon, and Sarah Booty all returned to Olympic Leonas. Uh, it would be really nice to have Eugenie back, uh, but I don't know. Uh, we'll see. The the OL has said that they want to make the Reign one of the best teams in the world. I mean, they got close to it this year, but obviously, if you want to be the best at something, you got to win trophies, right? Um, so the OL has a lot of great players and I wouldn't doubt that they loan more players to the rain next year, but that has to, that'll probably be sorted out uh, closer to the season. Um, so then uh, the rain acquired defender Sinclair Miramontes off of waivers. She was waived by Louisville on December 8th in a corresponding move. The rain made the transfer of Nicole Mumiki to Lincoln points. FC in Sweden permanent. So Nicole uh, joins uh, Lincoln, Link, Pings FC in Sweden. God, those Sweden names, man. Um, <laughs> she joins that team permanently uh, as a, in a corresponding move to the uh, acquiring of Miramontes off of waivers. And then following that, the Reign announced their protected list for the 2022 expansion draft. The players that are protected include. Uh, Angelina, Bethany Balser, Alana Cook, Jess Fishlock, Sophia Huerta, Rose Lavelle, Fallon Tillis Joyce, and Ali Watt. So, um, Ali Watt's a midfielder, Fallon Tillis Joyce is a goalkeeper, uh, Rose Lavelle is a midfielder, Sophia Huerta is a defender, Jess Fishlock's a midfielder, Alana Cook's a defender, Bethany and Angelina are both forwards. Um, so what's important to note is that LA. Uh, Angel City FC is LA. Uh, they are not able to take any forwards because of a trade that the rain made with them. It's kind of weird. Um, a lot of teams have been trading with both LA and San Diego to gain draft immunity. The rain did so, they just did so that so that LA can't take any of their forwards. Um, so remember that when I read the unprotected list here, right? There's a big name that's kind of on there. Uh, Besides Lauren Barnes, Lauren Barnes, one of the league originals is on the unprotected list. Uh, Amber Brooks, Celia, Ella Diederich, Madison Hammond, Kelsey Hedge, Sam Hyatt, Ziara King, Jimena Lopez, Kristen McNabb, Sinclair Miramontes, Cosette Morche, Leah Pruitt, Megan Rapino, huh. Nikki Stanton, and Danny Weatherholt. Now, there's some names on there that interest me are Barnes, uh, Diederich, Hyatt, King, and Rapino. Now, it's interesting because again, LA cannot draft Rapino. San Diego could, okay. Um, but with that being said, remember what we talked about with Sue Bird. Mm-hmm. Probably only if she's gonna play next year, it's gonna be her last year. That I highly doubt she signs on for anything more, right? Right. There have been rumors that Rapino and Bird will retire in the same year. So I it 
seems really realistic, okay, that both Rapino and Bird play their last year and then they're done. And I highly doubt Megan wants to go do that somewhere in California when her wife plays up here in Seattle. You can both play in the same area, right? So I I think it's kind of an unspoken thing, right? Um, And I also think that, you know, uh, if, if at least if I were in San Diego or LA, well, yeah, in San Diego because LA can't select her. If I was in San Diego's chair, I wouldn't get her anyway because I want to build a younger team. Yeah. And there are certainly younger options there, but it also depends on what route you want to go. I was kind, I'm kind of biased towards Ella Diederich. Uh, I like her as a goalkeeper when she played this year. Um, she did good um, until uh, they had Booty come over. Um, and San Diego just signed Alex Morgan. So I don't really think you need to, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I know there's going to be some freak out. And ESPN posted, oh, Megan Rapino among the names unprotected. But I don't think they got the full story out there because ESPN does a terrible job of covering the NWSL anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's interesting to note, right? Because you see that name and you're like, oh, huh. But the rain protected a lot of their young talent, Bethany young one rookie of the year just two years ago alana cook 24 years old great defender just fish locked just one mvp she's not young i'm sorry just but she's not young sophia huerta relatively young had a great past year rose lavelle is rose lavelle i'm very biased towards rose lavelle valentina's joyce though interesting that she's the goalkeeper that's protected among others but that is big any expansion draft will more than likely rock the league right especially so when the list of teams is like eight, right? So that is important news. Uh, Keeping with the news here, uh, we do have some, I mean, it goes under the supersonics part of the show, but it's more NBA news and uh, local hoops news. Um, The NBA will have consequences for players who miss games. League is threatening fines or suspensions for unvaccinated players who cannot travel for games in Canada. Um, And Isaiah Thomas is in the G League. The former Husky and Seattle Hoops legend will play in the G League showcase as his NBA comeback attempt continues. Uh, No Dragons news as we head into UW Athletics here. Um, Um. Heading into Utah football, so we don't have any obvious stats, uh, but we do have team news. Uh, some UW staff hirings. Courtney Morgan was named the UW Director of Player of Personnel. Player of Personnel, sorry. Uh, he comes over from the University of Michigan where he had the same role. He knows head coach Kaylin DeBoer from Fresno State in 2019 where he had the same role that he was hired for. As well as Julius Brown was hired as the cornerbacks coach. He spent the past two years at Fresno State coaching linebackers and safeties. Uh, so there are a few Huskies leaving for the NFL. First one is offensive lineman Jackson Kirkland. He's all Pac-12 first team in back-to-back seasons at the left tackle spot. Um, center Luke Wattenberg posted his goodbye to UW and accepted an invitation to the East-West Shrine Bowl, which is more likely the writing on the wall that he will be heading the uh, heading to the league. Um, and then cornerbacks Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie. Now, there's no official statement yet, but Gordon reportedly mentioned going pro and defensive back coach under Jimmy Lake, a defensive back coach under Jimmy Lake, posted with wording that would suggest both of them going pro. McDuffie actually was named a All-American 
just today. Um, so we, we could see some departures there uh, heading off to the league. Uh, Husky staying though, wide receiver Terrell Bynum announces he will be returning this upcoming year. Uh, and then we had some transfers slash decommits, uh, freshman outside linebacker, Cooper McDonald entered the transfer portal. He is a former three-star recruit recorded one tackle for loss and one sack in two years at UW. Um, three-star 2022 quarterback Jackson Stratton decommits citing a coaching change, uh, tight end chance Bogan decommits deciding to open up his uh, reopen up his commitment after coaching changes. Longtime offensive lineman pledge Vega Lowen decommits committing to UW in June of 2021, citing coaching changes, taking an official visit to Minnesota. Uh, tight end Mark Redman uh, is leaving, uh, entering the transfer portal. Uh, UW is now down to five tight ends on the roster. Uh, second year freshman Sawyer Racanelli uh, is also seeking a transfer. He is a wide receiver. Uh, played in all uh, but one of UW's game this season, games this season, but was never targeted. Um, so some departures there. Some guys maybe not wanting to stick with the program, wanting to get playing time somewhere else. Um, so we'll see how that goes for them. Um, so we, with that being said, some Huskies were named to the All Pac-12 team. Uh, Trent McDuffie was named to the second team. Kyler Gordon was an honorable mention. Jackson Kirkland was a first team member. Luke Wattenberg, Terrell Bynum, Tuli Luta Legasanoa, uh, Jackson Sermon, and Sean McGrew were all honorable mentions. Uh, as we head into college football news, Oklahoma Senator proposes a bill to use the three inches of the most desolate highway to honor former Oklahoma coach Lincoln Riley. Uh, some pettiness there. The college football game. Uh, will be coming in the summer of 2023. EA Sports is aiming to launch the new video game in the summer of 2023. Uh, the Oregon head coaching job, Oregon reportedly pursuing Chip Kelly for the coaching gig, uh, was the first rumor that we had. The Ducks have asked UCLA for permission to speak with Kelly about a possible return. Uh, the next rumor that we got was that Oregon was reportedly hiring University of Georgia defensive co uh, coordinator Dan Lanning, a school course would refute that report just 30 minutes later. And then on December 11th, the Ducks would officially hire Lanning uh, as their new head coach. Um, the NCAA is probing both BYU and Miami. The NCAA is looking into a pair of high-profile NIL deals involving football players at Brigham Young University in Miami for violations. And then the final piece of college football news that we have is that the NCAA is banning the fake slide. The NCAA bans the move that Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett used on a touchdown run in the ACC title game. Heading over to men's basketball, we have more cancellations. Uh, December 12th at Gonzaga, game would be canceled uh, due to COVID protocols. The schools hope to continue the series next year. So the Huskies sit at a 4-5 and five record, hoping to play their next game December 18th versus Seattle U with a 7 p.m. tip-off. Heading over to our women's team that actually plays their games. Uh, December 10th versus Seattle U, the Huskies women's basketball team would win that game 77 to 59. Player of the game, Alexis Grigsby, going off for 23 points, two rebounds, two assists, and two steals. The Huskies record now jumps up to seven. Uh, pardon me, where did I get seven? Three and three. Uh, their upcoming games are December 18th versus Eastern Washington with a 2 p.m. Pacific time tip off and December 20th versus Nevada at a 2 p.m. Pacific time tip-off. 
No baseball news for you. No softball news. Oh, pardon me. I lied. We have the softball schedule was recently announced. Um, we will get that to you. Two things, two teams announcing their schedules. Um, so UW softball, they play the Puerta Vallarta College Challenge uh, February 10th through 12th, uh, playing Lamar, Long Beach, Arkansas, Rutgers, and Arkansas again. Then the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational, February 18th through 20th, playing Tennessee, LSU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and Clemson. The Mary Nutter Classic, uh, February 25th through 27th, playing San Diego State, Loyola Marymount, Missouri, Northwestern, and Iowa State. These are all in uh, order, by the way. Um, the UNLV Tournament, March 4th through 6th, playing Mexico, New Mexico State, Houston twice. UNLV and New Mexico State again. March 8th against Robert Morris back at UW. All of those previous games were on the road. Going back on the road to the Colorado State Invitational, March 11th through 13th uh, against Northern Colorado, Colorado State, uh, Northern Colorado, Colorado State again, and then Northern Colorado again. The conference schedule uh, runs March 18th through May 14th. March 18th uh, through 20th, playing Cal three times. March 25th through 27th, playing UCLA three times. April 1st, 2nd and 3rd against Arizona. April 12th against Seattle U. Uh, Oh, those UCLA games, March 25th through 27th are at home. April 14th through 16th against Oregon State at home. April 22nd through 24th against Oregon. April 29th through May 1st against Stanford at home. May 6th through 8th against Utah. And then closing out the season, May uh, regular season, May 12th through May 14th against Arizona State at home. The postseason schedule is that regionals are May 20th through 22nd. Super regionals are May 26th through 28th. And the World Women's College World Series is June 2nd through 10th. So our Husky softball team has some direction for their season now. Uh, the men's soccer team. Uh, December 10th versus Georgetown in the College Cup semifinal. The Husky was, Huskies would win that game 2-1. to one. Uh, Player of the game would be Charlie Ostrom with one goal and one shot to be the game-winning goal. Uh, so the College semi, college Cup semifinal win there advances UW to the national title game against number 8 Clemson. On December 12th, uh, the Huskies would lose the title game 0-2, to two, giving up two goals early. Um, the first goal coming in the first minute. Um, and then the second one by the same player, Isaiah Reed, uh, coming in the 15th minute. So tough, tough loss there. But, you know, anytime a season ends in the title game is a good thing. You know, you, you came a long way, just a frustrating way to end the season. Um, so, yes, the Huskies lose that game in the national t- – they lose the national title game uh, – Finishing their uh, season with a 17 win, two loss, two win record, two loss, two draw record. Uh, the season is over. Uh, we will have a season recap coming for you. Uh, no women's soccer news, volleyball. Uh, they're in their postseason as well, losing uh, December 9th versus number two ranked Texas, two sets to three. Played of the game, Samantha Drexel with 25.5 total points. Um, so the Huskies lose in regionals there. The season is over. We will have a season recap for volleyball coming as well. Uh, For the hockey teams, the men's team did not play over the past week. The women's team 
played a game against the Seattle Women's Hockey Club, winning that game one to nothing. Actually, today on the 13th that this is being recorded, close game. Uh, UW dominated shots um, against the the Seattle Women's Hockey Club goalie. Really played a great game, had a lot of great saves. Uh, but Alex Gardner was able to get a shot past uh, with 3:40 to go in the second period to give the Huskies the lead in the eventual win, um, as well as. Uh, UW's goalie. Oh shoot, I've got names here. Um, shoot, 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 shoot. Give me one second. Fanny Metza Tequila uh, had a lot of great saves as well. It's also, it's also really interesting that the team started out the first few minutes of the game with six skaters. The Huskies did, and no goaltender, but the goaltender would eventually show up. Uh, so the Huskies get that game uh, really some strong performances. Uh, Mia Filardi uh, looked good with the puck. Same with um, Leah Johnson. Uh, Bella McQuaid also had some great moments with the puck, a little chippy, uh, getting some time in the penalty box. But uh, it was a good game. It was a good game from UW and excited to see more games from them in the future. So with that being said, um, UW women's hockey wins their game. The volleyball team loses in the postseason. The men's soccer team loses in the national title game. Uh, we get the softball schedule announced. The women's basketball team gets a win against Seattle U. The men's basketball team continues to miss games due to COVID protocols. We have some shuffling of the roster with the football team, as well as some coaching hires. Um, the rain are preparing for the prep, the will have prepared for the expansion draft. The Kraken lose their last three games, uh, looking to bounce back with a road trip to uh, uh, California and playing some tough games when they return home on the 18th and 19th. The storm schedule was announced. Uh, the Sounders, um, since since we're going over it, I missed it. I do apologize, I missed it, but I, I will I will slot it in there for anybody um, who. Uh, oh shoot who is still listening. If you're still here, uh, we have the Sounders. Um, we have the uh, unprotected list um, for the expansion draft in the MLS. Nico Benize, Will Bruin, A.B. Sissoko, Stephen Cleveland, Jordy Dellum, Freddie Montero, Shane O'Neill, Spencer Ritchie, Kellen Rowe, and Brad Smith are all technically eligible to be selected um, from from the uh, Charlotte FC is the expanding team. So Charlotte will select up to five players from the eligible player list. Five teams are exempt from this, um, including LA, Nashville, New York, Orlando, and San Jose. Um, So only one player can be selected from each team. Um, So yeah, Seattle's uh, unprotected players are those ones that I mentioned, those being... Um, we'll get it back here. Nico Benize, Will Bruin, A.B. Sissoko, Stephanie Cleveland. Cleveland more than likely the highest choice there. Uh, Jordy Dellum, Freddie Montero, Shane O'Neill, Spencer Ritchie, Kellen Rowe, Brad Smith, and Andrew Thomas. Um, no Mariners news because the 
league is in lockout. And the Seahawks get a win against the Texans looking to a tough week next week against the Rams. With that being said, we will see you next week um, on Tuesday the 21st. Until then, uh, I hope you all take care. You all be safe and stay warm out there. Thank you. Baba Bowie.